0: WTBN Pinellas Park, 100.3 W262 CP Bayonet Point. Online at Let's Talk. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast
1: at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
0: He said to thousands of Jewish people who just weeks earlier had cried for Jesus to be crucified, he says, you murdered your Messiah. Now folks, that is a rock. That's an incredibly bold statement. You gave him over to godless Romans to crucify.
1: Isn't that astounding? Peter, in Acts chapter 2, had been too timid to admit to a young girl that he even knew Jesus. Now he stands without fear before thousands of people, many of whom just days before had been shouting at the top of their lungs to have Jesus crucified, and tells them in no uncertain terms that they had killed their own Messiah and need to repent. That's an amazing transformation. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Today we come to the conclusion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's first message in a series about the nature of the church. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As we begin to consider the nature of the church, we should start at the beginning, and the first time Jesus mentioned the church is in Matthew 16. In that familiar passage, Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was, and Peter gave his famous response, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said then, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. There's a lot of debate about who or what that rock is. One view holds that Peter is that rock, and that made him the first pope. We discussed that in our last class. Now here's Pastor Steve to share another viewpoint.
0: A second belief as to the identity of the rock upon which the church is built is that the rock refers to Jesus himself. Now, according to this interpretation, when Jesus said, You are Peter, you are rock, And upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock, they say, according to this view, is that Jesus was referring to himself. In other words, in saying this rock, Jesus must have been taking his hand and pointing to himself. You are Peter, and upon this rock, me, I'll build my church. And they say that's why you have a difference in these two Greek words, because it's a different person He's, he's talking about. So they would say that Jesus was pointing to himself as the solid foundation upon which the church would be built. Now, you know what? This view has a lot to commend itself for. This has a lot to commend itself for because there are a number of New Testament references that speak of Jesus as a rock. In fact, just, you just have to turn over to Matthew chapter 21, and verse 42, and you'll see, This very thing. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Paul says essentially the same thing, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Christ is the rock, the foundation of the church. He said it in Ephesians 2.20 when he calls Jesus the chief cornerstone of the temple that God is building, meaning the church, God's people. The cornerstone, by the way, was the main stone that supported a structure. However, so I I do think that there's some great truth to this. Jesus is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. However, I don't believe that that's what he was talking about in Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to give you the reason why. I don't think that's the point of Matthew 16, even though there's great truth to that. And the reason I say that is because almost everything else that Jesus said in this passage is directed towards Peter. Peter. It's about Peter's role in the church. He goes on to tell Peter that he'll give him the keys of the kingdom. He tells Peter that he'll have authority to bind and loose on earth. It just seems very unnatural, an unnatural way of communicating for Jesus to first speak about Peter, then change the subject and speak about himself as the rock, then return to the subject of Peter without giving any indication in the text that that's what he was doing. We don't talk, like we don't go back and forth. And I don't think Jesus did either. And notice that the way the language reads, Jesus didn't make a contrast between himself and Peter. He didn't say, you are Peter, but upon this rock I'll build my church. As if there's a difference between this rock and you, Peter. He didn't say, but. He said, no. No, he said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Not in contrast to you, Peter. But end, I'll do this. So although Jesus, yes, he is the chief cornerstone upon which the church is built, I don't really think that's the point that he's making in Matthew 16. A third popular view, and one that is held to, I might add, by many evangelicals today, it was the view of of most of the reformers, including Martin Luther, is that the rock that Jesus builds his church upon is Peter's confession of faith. It is only Peter's confession of faith. And I think there's some validity to that view too. Because certainly the person and work of Christ on the cross is the foundational truth that the church is built upon. However, once again, it doesn't seem to me to be the point of Matthew 16. And the reason I say this is because it is impossible to separate what a man believes from the man himself. In other words, to regard Peter's confession apart from Peter... As an individual, it's just odd and, and it seems very abstract as a concept. In this passage, Jesus is talking to Peter about Peter and not strictly about what Peter believes. And besides, when the New Testament refers to those who are pillars or foundations of the church, it tends to refer to individuals, not their confessional belief doctrinal systems. For example, in Galatians 2 9, the Apostle Paul calls James and Peter and John, he says that they were pillars of the church at Jerusalem. He's not talking about what they confessed to believe, but what these men are, who these men are, these men themselves. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul tells Timothy that the church, meaning God's people, is the pillar and support of the truth. So a pillar or a foundation is a man, not separate from what he believes. So I've given you three popular views of the identity of the rock that Jesus said he would build his church upon. But now I want to give you the fourth view, which is obviously the view that I hold to because I've told you I don't believe the other ones. I believe that Peter, note this, is the rock upon which Jesus promised to build his church he is the, the rock, not in the sense that Peter was elevated to be the pope or the head of the church, but in the sense that Jesus was promising to make, note this, promising to make Peter the most prominent leader and outspoken witness for Christ among the apostles in the early foundational days of the church. You see, the most natural reading of the statement by Jesus in Matthew 16 is that not only is Peter a rock, but it is Peter himself that the Lord will build his church upon. In other words, what Jesus said, and what I believe he meant is this, you are Peter, that is rock. And upon this rock, that is on you, Peter, I will build my church. I love what theologian D.A. Carson said about this. He said, if it were not for Protestant reactions against extremes of Roman Catholic interpretation, it is doubtful whether many would have taken rock to be anything or anyone other than Peter. I think he's absolutely right. We tend to go to the other extreme because Peter has been exalted as the Pope, and we tend to minimize this, and we don't want to touch upon the fact that Jesus might be saying, Peter, I'm building my church on you, because it might lead one to think that we are exalting Peter to be the Pope. That's not the case. I think we do the same thing with Mary the mother of Jesus, because the Roman Catholic Church exalts her to a point of, of worship and, and deification. We tend to go the other extreme where we, we don't even respect her. We don't talk about her. Listen, she was a godly woman. She was a wonderful woman. She was a dear woman who the Lord sovereignly chose to be the mother of our Lord. So, so I think that Peter is the rock. I think that's the natural reading of this. And uh, and my response, in case you're wondering, to those who who would say, "Well, the Greek words for Peter and rock are different, so they must be different individuals." They're talking about Petros and Petra. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, these two words, Petros and Petra, as I've done some research on them, are um, are not distinct in their meaning. They're not distinct. Some say, well, Petras is a little stone, so Peter's like a little stone, but Petra is a huge mountain or, or a solid mountain. Um, if, you, if you look at some of the uh, ancient Greek writings, that is not always the case. They're used often interchangeably. Why are they used here differently? Why, why is it two different words? My response is simply this, because the word Petra is feminine. It's feminine. Petra is feminine, and you can't call a man by a feminine name. So Peter had to be called Petras, which is the masculine form of Petra. It'd be like, uh, you wouldn't look at me and say, uh, you are Stephen, but I'll call you Stephanie. You, You can't do that. With a man, there's a masculine name to it. I see no essential difference in these words. It's just that you can't call Peter by a feminine name. It's a masculine. Petras is masculine. You see, in the early days of the church, keep this in mind, Peter was the most prominent of the apostles in the sense that he was the most vocal, outspoken apostle in preaching the truth about Jesus. He certainly didn't lord it over the apostles, never said he was greater than they were, because they were all equal in authority, absolutely equal in authority. But he has been called, rightfully so, the first among apostolic equals because of the prominent role he played in establishing the church in its Early stages. You can see this very clearly as one goes through the book of Acts. Let me just tell you, you don't need to turn there, but let me just tell you the role that Peter played in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the, uh, the history of the early expansion of the church. It's the church in its infancy. It tells us about how it expanded across the, the globe. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, did you realize that Peter's name is mentioned more than 50 times Why? Because he takes the lead. He is the obvious leader in the spreading of the gospel. He speaks with incredible boldness. He speaks with courage, like one who we would expect if given the name Rock. For example, in Acts chapter 1, it is Peter who who speaks up and says, you know what? We have to replace an apostle. Judas is no longer with us. Guys, we have to get a 12th apostle, and so they, they pick a man by the name of uh, Matthias. But it's Peter who speaks up. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when, when the Holy Spirit came and they spoke in other languages, and people are gathering, thousands are gathering, and wondering what's going on, it is Peter who speaks up. I read to you before what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Think of his boldness. He said to thousands of Jewish people who just weeks earlier had cried for Jesus to be crucified, He says, You murdered your Messiah. Now, folks, that is a rock. That's an incredibly bold statement. You gave him over to godless Romans to crucify. You need to repent, you need to believe the gospel. It's one man. Standing against thousands, it says that that day alone, 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 believed, but there had to be literally more thousands of people there than just 3,000. Peter takes his stand, said Peter took his stand with the 11. Peter's distinguished. And then in chapter 3, we read about Peter and John going up to the temple. And there they meet a man who wants uh, money. And Peter says, gold and silver, do we not have? But what we do have, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand and uh, and be healed. And the man miraculously is healed. It's Peter who speaks up. And after that, there's a a second sermon because a crowd gathered, want to know what's going on here. It's Peter who speaks up. And don't think that John had nothing to say. Because as someone has said, when John finally did get away from Peter, he he wrote the Gospel of John, the book of Revelation, and three letters. John had a lot to say. But when he was with Peter, Peter was the prominent spokesman. And after John and Peter were arrested, it is Peter who boldly speaks out to the Jewish leaders. And in the incident where Ananias and Sapphira lied, where God struck them dead, it is Peter. Who tells them, you lied to the Holy Spirit, you lied to the church, and you are stricken dead. But notice this, as the book of Acts continues, after the initial stages of the founding and building of the church, we see Peter's leadership role begin to fade. I said in the first 12 chapters of Acts, his name is mentioned over 50 times, but it begins to fade. He's mentioned a few times after that, but not much. Why? We see Peter's leadership role, Change now. The church has has a foundation being laid and the Lord brings another apostle to the forefront who becomes the primary witness and teacher of Christ. His name is the apostle Paul. Peter just sort of fades from the scene. I mean, he had a significant ministry, but the foundation was laid. Now, back in Matthew 16, we, we know that Christ promised Peter that he would act like a rock. And in doing so, the Lord would begin to build his church upon him. That's exactly what took place. Peter is rock-like. He is courageous in the midst of of all kinds of opposition. So what then? Let's, Let's bring this together. What then is the foundational rock upon which Christ began building his church in the first century and he continues to build it today because we understand the church is people? Watch this. It is not simply Peter as an individual man who is the rock But Peter, as a key member of the apostles, who were all inspired teachers of the word of God. In other words, Peter, along with all of the apostles, laid down the foundation upon which the church is built. And folks, that foundation is the doctrine about Jesus Christ as taught by these men. That is to say, Jesus builds his church on the truth about himself as taught by Peter as well as the other apostles, but Peter is the primary teacher in the early days. That is precisely what the apostle Paul taught years later in Ephesians chapter two. Let's turn there. Ephesians chapter two. So you understand that yes, Peter is the foundation, but but not Peter simply as Peter. Peter as the inspired witness, Peter is the proclaimer of the word of God. The foundation that the church is built upon Folks, is the gospel. It's the gospel of which Peter was the most vocal, outspoken preacher of that message. In Ephesians chapter 2, notice this Paul says, starting in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, speaking to Gentiles now, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. What a tremendous truth. They all knew that Israel was Israel, but now Jesus was doing something new, not not to replace Israel, but doing something new. Gentiles could be a part of this. He says, once you were aliens, you were strangers, but you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Now you're family. You're family. And then notice what he says, and this is the key, verse 20. Having been built, this is what you have been built on. The foundation of the apostles, and he adds in prophets, probably New Testament prophets who in that day spoke inspired truth, revelation we're talking about. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And then he goes on to say, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God In the Spirit. Christ, in other words, Christ is building his church. The church is made up of people who once were aliens and strangers, but they've now become family members through faith in Christ. And it is the foundation of God's word taught by the apostles upon which Christ builds his church. That is to say, the way one comes into the church and into a relationship with Jesus Christ is by believing what the apostles taught about the Lord. That's the teaching, folks, laid down in the New Testament of which Peter in the early days was the founding and foundational teacher of the gospel. What is that doctrine in particular? What are these truths? It's the gospel message and all of its implications, the message that tells us that we are lost sinners on our way to hell unless we repent and believe that Christ has paid for our sins adding nothing to it, no baptism, no confirmation, no good deeds. It's justification by faith and faith alone. It is the message that tells us how to be reconciled to God through faith in his son. That's the foundation. Peter preached that. Can't separate Peter from what he preached. It's the truth of Christ. See, folks, you you may be a part of a local church, but you are not really a part of Christ's universal church, this community of redeemed believers, unless you believe the gospel, unless you believe that you are a sinner and a lost sinner who deserves judgment because God is so holy unless you believe that Christ in his mercy and grace died on the cross to pay for your sins and you repent of those sins and turn to him, trusting him alone for your salvation, you're not part of the church. You may go, as I said, to, a, to an individual church, but you're not part of the church as God says, this is the church. The true foundation of the church upon which the Lord continues to build his people today is the truth about himself as taught by all the inspired apostles of which peter was the leading spokesman in the church's days of infancy that is the meaning of matthew 16:18 and folks this is precisely as we bring this together and drive it home one final time this is precisely what jesus taught at the close of the sermon on the mount in matthew chapter 7 let me read this to you perhaps nothing more important then this glorious truth found in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus has given his words to, in the sermon. He's bringing it to a close. He said, therefore, everyone, verse 24, who hears these words of mine and acts on them, does something about them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. He said, the wise man is the man who listens to his words, the words of Christ, hears it, then builds his life on the rock of Christ's words about himself. I hope your life is built on the word of God, not on human tradition, not on opinions, not on speculative knowledge, not on philosophy, but on Christ himself. You need to ask yourself this morning, am I a member of the church that Jesus is building? Have I truly repented of my sin and believed the gospel? Am I an alien and a stranger to God and to his people? Do I know him in a personal way? Or am I am I a member of his family? Not because relatives my parents told me this or a teacher Told me this, but because the scripture says this. Consider whether you have truly built your life on the words and truth about Christ or upon something else. Make sure that it's on Christ and Him alone. And if you are part of God's family, then make sure that when you evangelize others, it is solely the gospel of Christ, the same message that Peter gave, the same message that all the disciples, all the apostles gave. Don't give your opinions. Don't go down bunny trails, don't have unnecessary sidebars that have absolutely no bearing on one's eternal destiny. Simply tell people the same truth and truths that Peter told them 2,000 years ago. That's what Christ builds his church upon. Let's bow for prayer. If You've never trusted Christ, I urge you to do so. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. This message wasn't intended to ever offend anyone from. Roman Catholic background or even a denominational Protestant background just want to be fair with the scriptures but make sure that your life is founded upon Christ and the gospel that brings life Christ died for sinners like you I urge you to come to him before it's too late father thank you for giving us the unique privilege to study this passage of scripture Lord to to grapple with it to understand it and I pray that you will help us to take from today, Lord, not not simply interesting facts, but to make sure that our lives are founded on the gospel. There is nothing of greater importance. I think of what Paul said to the Corinthians, that uh, this is the, f- the first and foremost of all messages, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. So I pray, Lord, that uh, You'll help each of us to examine his heart to make sure that we have truly trusted Christ and what he has said about how to be saved and that our salvation is resting in him and him alone and his atoning work on the cross and not on tradition. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Tradition plays an important role, but when it differs from Scripture, it threatens to lead us to decisions we'll regret. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area and looking for a church home or just visiting, please feel free to pay us a visit. You'll find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road. If you missed the first two parts of the message Pastor Steve just concluded, you can get the whole message on CD by calling 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. Another option is to visit our website, firstbyverseradio.org. We have a vast collection of previous broadcasts available for stream or download at no charge. This is Jerry Peterson. As we think about the nature of the church, we need to also think about what the church is not. One thing it is not is Israel. Many people teach that the church
0: has...